dear fellow redeemed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The text for our meditation is from the Epistle to the Hebrews. Up to this point, the author has described the faith of several patriarchs, Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. And he has described how they died in faith, anticipating the promise of God and confessing that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The 11th chapter, the 16th verse. Instead, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he prepared a city for them. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Eva also longed for a better land, a heavenly land. The promise was offered to her, and in faith she was made to cling to it until her death. The promise is offered to you as well. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. In that city which God has prepared, you can hear this promise. Look, God's dwelling is with people. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain because the former things have passed away. Because of this word and because of the sacraments connected with it, faith longs for a heavenly land. That's the nature of faith, that it clings to the promise and it lives in God. In this letter to the Hebrews, the examples of the patriarchs are given. First is Abel. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain did. By faith, he was commended in Scripture as righteous when God testified favorably about his gifts. Abel, you might remember, brought some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions as an offering to God. Cain did not show as much care to his offerings. But it is by faith that Abel did this. That is, Abel trusted in the promise which God had given to his parents to cause his mother's descendant to crush Satan's head. As such, Abel was not worried and concerned about earthly things, but he lived, as Jesus later instructed, but store up treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's easy to cling to these material blessings, the things of this world, but faith clings to what is unseen, the promise of God. Enoch, next, was taken up so that he would not experience death. Because of his faith, he pleased God. It wasn't his doing anything that pleased God, but his faith relied on the promise of God, and as a result, he received it. He was the first human being ever to escape death. All Christians are told you will escape death's sting. Because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, death is swallowed up in victory. And because of that promise, although our sister in faith did experience death, its sting did not penetrate her skin. Its poison was turned instead into a simple sleeping medicine. But his terror to sin was made for her into a Sabbath rest until her Lord returns to take her body to join her spirit in eternal life in the resurrection on the last day. You await that day now waking, while Eva awaits that day sleeping. Consider Noah next, who by faith, when he was warned about things that, he had, that had not been seen before, built an ark in reverent fear in order to save his family. The whole world was going to be destroyed in a way never before heard of, Everything and everyone no one knew would be wiped out. And the same temptation might remain to hold on to those things. The apostles similarly praised the glory of the temple and all the beautiful buildings in Jerusalem, but Jesus cautioned them, Do you see all of these things? Amen, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another that will not be thrown down. 
faith for Noah was clinging to the promise of God that life would be given to him and his family in a newly remade world. Finally, Abraham, by faith, obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he left without knowing where he was going. He wandered. In fact, he lived as a stranger in the promised land, as if it did not belong to him, dwelling in tents. He never used his force to take the land. He never gave up on the promise of God and left to go somewhere that he thought might be better. He let God's promise stand, and he followed where God directed him, even though it meant he had to travel and travel and travel and never rest. Christians likewise wander in this world. Any rest we find here we know is only temporary rest. But we come into this tent, our church, to have a glimpse and taste of the heavenly place that is promised. Here you anticipate the blessings that are given on the last day. Clinging to the promise, your sins are already all forgiven. Salvation is yours, and eternal life dwells in you. But they have not yet come to you in fullness. Faith still clings to the promise of these blessings, which will be obtained in completion on the last day, when our Savior returns in the clouds with his angels to judge the world. According to his promise, faith knows that day will not come with terror, any more than the days of one's death comes with terror. Instead, that is a blessed day when the promise is fulfilled. God has prepared a city, and it will descend on that blessed day, and you will already be a citizen of it by your baptism and by faith. Already by these means of word and sacraments, you are, by faith, living in God. These heroes of faith didn't have some fluffy, ethereal faith that just gave a feeling of comfort. No, their faith linked them to the living God, the only true God, the God who revealed himself in the word and sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for sin, to defeat death for all mankind. This God sometimes identified himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. On the one hand, this was God's way of denying the power of any other God, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But it's also more than that. Jesus taught concerning the resurrection of the dead. Have you never read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Because God continued to speak the names of those patriarchs, you know that they are alive. And they will live eternally in the new heavens and new earth. Jesus has written in his blood the names of these faithful, the names of the faithful now and to the end of time. And he has written the name of Eva Fredrickson, written in his blood in the book of life. They are not dead because dead means lost. Dead means separated from God. But the living God is their God. And his son is their redeemer. And that son entered into death and came out victoriously, triumphantly alive. By faith, these redeemed ones hold on to their risen Lord and will be with him for eternity. You can be certain of this. You don't need to doubt. Faith is not a maybe, but it is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about the things we do not see. So faith clings to Jesus in spirit, but this is not just a doubtful emotion that can be cast about on the waves of uncertainty. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of this eternal inheritance. And you were sealed with the Holy Spirit as Eva was when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed. The Holy Spirit, you see, does not come apart from the word. Abel didn't have a feeling about God, but he heard God's promise. 
Enoch didn't feel like he was walking with God, but he walked with God and God spoke with him. Noah didn't feel a shift in the atmosphere, but he heard God's warning of the flood and the promise of salvation. Abraham wasn't filled with wanderlust, but was called by God to travel and sojourn. Consider how you can be certain that Eva, your beloved mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and sister in faith, certain that she lives with God even now. In her obituary, you heard how she was baptized. And baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the guarantee of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Clinging to that promise which touched her flesh in the water, Eva was born through to eternal life, just like Noah and his family, living on the ark, protected until they came to the world newly remade. And I can personally attest to many times that Eva received the sacrament of her Lord's body and blood. That's not just a spiritual eating, but according to Jesus' words, that bread is his body and that wine is his blood. Although we can't see it, faith believes it and clings to the promise of the word. And that promise also told her that it was given to her for the forgiveness of sins. She was nourished by her Lord's body and blood, the very body born of Mary and the blood he shed to purchase her soul so that by this sacrament, her Lord dwelled in her, not in some feeling that can be tossed by doubt, but in certainty, bodily, with the promise that he was preparing a place for her body and her spirit. And she was even often told by me and other pastors that her sins were forgiven. The word was repeated to her often in our devotions, and I declared for her numerous times the gracious forgiveness of all her sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the name into which she was baptized. There was no uncertainty in that declaration. I forgave her sins, and she believed the promise of Jesus, who said, whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Through these means, these instruments, the word and the sacraments, the Holy Spirit came to Eva to give and strengthen and maintain her faith. Her striving is now done, and her rest has begun. Her life now can stand as a witness of faith to you too, like all those patriarchs. The writer to the Hebrews said this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us get rid of every burden and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patient endurance the race that is laid out for us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author of our faith and the one who brings it to its goal. In view of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of God's throne. When things get hard for you, when it's difficult to face your grief, your pain, when faith feels too hard, remember Jesus. He did it for you. He was faithful. He is the one who keeps you faithful, not by your feelings, but in certainty. Certainty found in the many ways he shows his love. In the gospel promise spoken to you that his cross purchased your life and his resurrection proves your forgiveness and salvation. In baptism, which is the gospel in the water. In holy communion, which is the gospel in bread and wine, causing those elements also to be Jesus' true body and blood. In the absolution, the pronouncement of the forgiveness of your sins. None of this is baseless or uncertain. God has prepared a city for you, promised it to you in his word. By faith, you long for that better land, that heavenly land. And according to God's promise, it is yours. Amen. O God, the Father in heaven, have mercy upon us. O God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy upon us. O God, the Holy Spirit, true comforter, have mercy upon us and grant us your peace. Amen.